0: Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. Thank you all for joining us today. My name is Maccabee Griffin, and this is Beyond the Pen, where we take the well-known adage, read between the lines, to a whole new level and beyond. Each week, we sit down with a new author and not only discuss one of their published books, but also get an insight into the story behind the story. My first guest, Couldn't be anyone else other than Black USA News' very own Mr. Donnie Glover, as we learn more about his most recent publication of I Am Black Wall Street. For all those who are not familiar with Mr. Glover, he is an award-winning journalist, news talk show host at Radio 1, and a television political analyst for WBAL-TV 11, CNN, and Fox TV. He also is the founder and principal of DM Global Marketing and Public Relations, creator of www.bemorenews.com and blackatlnews.com, just to name a few things. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Mr. Donnie Glover. Donnie, it is so nice to see you here. Thank you again for being my first, uh, my guinea very, game. very first guest on here. You're guinea pig. I, you're right. I am the guinea pig. <laughs> no, I'm the guinea pig. Well, both of us can be a guinea pig. How's that? Uh, so I want to really, really, like I said, I want to thank you obviously for this opportunity, for having this. And it has been fun to, get to know you get to know everything about your shows and everything and i have to say this subject is one of the most forgotten but yet most covered incidents not only in black history but also american history as well we're talking about the great and unfortunate greenwood district massacre that happened back in 1921 um, there have been many authors who have actually written about this subject, uh, people like Hannibal L. Johnson, Tim Madigan, Mary E. Johnson, Parrish, and many, many more. But the fact is, when I was preparing for this episode, I found that your book, I Am Black Wall Street, took a whole different look at it. Instead of talking about the situation, you actually went and talked about everything before it even became Black Wall Street. Can you uh, iterate some of the, um, the reasons why you took a different routine uh, route with this subject instead of covering the riots and the, the repercussions that followed it?
1: I'm a history buff. And so... Hannibal and those other writers have covered what happened in Tulsa very well. I was curious as to what you know, how did they get there? Mm -hmm. And the more I dug, the more I found. For instance, did you know that Florida was not an original colony? Yes, I
0: did actually know that because um, it was actually, uh, we bought it from the Spanish. In
1: 1831, after Andrew Jackson went down there and invaded, mm-hmm. and he called himself putting blacks in slavery and putting Indians off the land and sending them west on the Trail of Tears on the other side of the Mississippi River.
0: Yeah, it it was definitely been a the story itself has been very interesting um and just understanding everything that had to deal with the movement of everybody to you know Oklahoma Oklahoma in general but just the story of for you you covered you know 500 years of history you know, within just well, one let, book. Let,
1: let, let me tell you why. So as I dug, I came. I, I I came to realize there are so many things that we don't know about American history. Mm-hmm. Did you know that there were black towns? I knew of a
0: few of them that were closer into the uh, when people when the slaves were actually moving from the south into the north areas. There were a few. So, of so them let there. me let me
1: clarify one myth. Yes, sir. One myth is that all black people were slaves. No, 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 no. Another myth is is that white people were not slaves in this country.
0: That is also false. True that. I understand that. White
1: slaves. There were white indentured servants. Yep.
0: Uh, The Irish were actually one of the biggest, uh, biggest uh, ethnicities that actually worked considered but, but, uh, indentured but, but, slaves.
1: But remember slavery has been around for a long time in various yeah. forms. Mm-hmm. I think what's different here in America is the the vitriol, the hatred that has resulted even to this day where there are whites who hate black people because they're black and it's mm-hmm. like dude this is 2021 what sick psychosis are you perpetuating is it what we saw on january 6th is that what this is about that there's some whites who think that america belongs to them Mm -hmm. you know and and it just speaks to how this country has this whole you know originally had this notion of manifest destiny that america the native americans were here to be conquered and bow down to the wishes to the whims to the dreams of some white people from across the water when there were people already here Mm -hmm. so a lot of our understanding of american history is warped so let's go back to uh, florida florida florida
0: okay florida
1: there were people of color already here in the states when uh-huh. he was being arrived. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In the Caribbean and South America. Everywhere there was slavery, there was some type of kickback. Well, here's another myth a myth is that black people were passive, were docile in terms of slavery. Oh, yes, I want to be a slave. Nobody in their right mind wants to be a damn slave. No. And when you consider the, the lynchings, the whippings, the rapes, the murders, mm-hmm. of men, women, and children, you, yeah. you, you have to consider the diabolical nature that it takes to do this to other human beings, simply because you think you deserve to live here. How ludicrous is that? So this country was built on a lot of confusion, Yeah, absolutely. Black people have been fighting for their freedom and forming freedom colonies from Haiti to Brazil to Venezuela to Jamaica. Wherever there was slavery, there was somebody fighting back. Wherever there was slavery. And so, considering that Florida was home to a lot of free blacks Mm -hmm. and a lot of Indians who were chased from northern, uh, from the eastern towns. They were all chased to Florida. Seminole is not even a name; it comes from Semarones. It means "wild ones," and the Seminole is nice. a group of various Indians from different tribes that landed in Florida. And so, here's another myth: there were three Seminole Wars. Three Seminole Wars. uh, the second of which was actually the largest slave insurrection in the history of the United States. You had all of these blacks, you had all of these Indians down in Florida, people like Andrew Jackson going all the way down, mm-hmm. fighting to the very end. And some, there are some who are still there today, deep in the Florida Everglades. That's how far south. We usually think of people escaping slavery as going north. But in my book, I talk about how many of the slaves went south. Into the Florida Everglades, or if they were in, and this is unknown. A lot of people are talking about 1619 as if that's when the first blacks came as slaves to this country. Uh, I would I would take it back to 1525. Uh, yeah, I agree with the you. First black slaves, the first came a hundred years earlier, and they escaped and went over into the Gullah Islands off the coast of South Carolina. So there's so much. We don't even know about the Gullas and the Geeches off of the coast of South Carolina and Georgia.
0: Uh, yeah, I've never heard of them before. And, and you're right. And there, is, there is a lot of history that we really don't know because it's been either removed completely or it has been just twisted in and, and some way, shape, or form to, to fit a certain goal or a certain political view or whatever the case may be. And this is one of the reasons why I'm really happy that you're my very first guest on here. And again, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about uh, Mr. Donnie Glover's book, I am black wall street. And it is something that I really am looking forward to uh, getting a copy of Um, the, 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 digital copy that I do have right now, I've been able to glimpse at it here and there uh, just to get a a broad view of how far you've actually went with this. Um, But I can't wait to get my physical book. And if I can actually do this, get you to actually sign it for me. (laughs) It would be really good. Um, But it is that idea that, you know, that's, you know, 20 generations of pioneers that built this, not only this district, but various other places around the world through that time um, from scratch, um, possibly uh, probably because a lot of times I'm going to say multiple times due to possible attacks from local, you know, clansmen, other uh, and other ignorant people through the years, plus dealing with, you know, the segregation laws and everything that that went with it. I want you to talk a little more about some of the places that people were traveling from, besides uh, Florida, and, and possibly some of the uh, other, some a little bit more information on uh, some of the some of the things that would interest our viewers and listeners, and of course, future readers of your book, such as myself, uh, in regards to the to the uh, actual district itself when it started to build up during the 1910s and 1920s.
1: So Oklahoma was home to not just Tulsa's Greenwood District. Mm -hmm. There were anywhere from 70 to 80 Black towns in Oklahoma, in addition to that. So mind you, these were Blacks that went out to Oklahoma after the Civil War. Many whites were given land Oklahoma was special because they were giving land to Indians, Mm -hmm. which brings up the Dawes role. Have you ever heard of the Dawes role? D-A-W-E-S? No. The Dawes role when all of those people, Indians and blacks, Mm -hmm. mind you, the blacks that went out there, not all of them were slaves. Some of them were soldiers who fought in the Second Seminole War under Chief John Horse. But when they got to Oklahoma, there was this Dawes commission. And they determine that you are Indian and you are not just by looking at people. So there's a group of white people saying you are wow. Indian and you are not. And I told you already that there were black people, nat- black natives already here. Mm-hmm. So you now have someone who doesn't even know their own damn history telling you what your history is. Yeah, yeah. 70 to 80 black towns in Oklahoma. But watch this. Texas had over 500 black towns. Wow. I did not I, I, I even know that. There, there were two heroes in this book. One was a black Seminole Indian named Chief John Horse. I've heard of him. He Chief was John Horse great. went out to Oklahoma in 1843 after fighting the likes of Andrew Jackson down in Florida. They fought to a truce. Man. They, he agreed to lead his 200 soldiers and families mm-hmm. to Oklahoma on the trail of tears. Proof positive that not all blacks on the trail of tears were slaves.
0: It's true. They very-
1: were soldiers. Mm-hmm. And they were promised their freedom if they just left Florida and went to Oklahoma. In which they did. But they get out to Oklahoma and the U.S. government did what, did what the U.S. government does. And they've reneged. Mm. Captain uh, Chief John Horst then led his uh, 200 black families and soldiers to Mexico to a town called Nacimento, where they still celebrate Juneteenth today. And there, his soldiers served as the border patrol for Mexico, Mexico. Really? I didn't know that. After the Civil War, which they came back, and his soldiers were among the first Black Seminole scouts in the nice. U.S. Cavalry. The other hero in the book is a white man. It is important to know that Black Wall Street took a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. wasn't just black people working, saving, blah blah blah. I'd already told you about the relationship with the Indians. Yeah. It took a contribution from this white man named Chief uh, Captain John Brown. I don't know if you ever heard of John Brown, but he left on Harper's Ferry, Virginia. And this is a white man who gave his life to fight slavery, to abolish slavery. Mm -hmm. On Hulu, I think Ethan Hawke played Captain John Brown. Uh, Some people thought it, it wasn't the best rendition. He tried to play John Brown like he was crazy. But anytime you go against the norm, the norm, mind you, the norm of the day was that slavery is okay. It is okay to own somebody. And that's what kills me about January 6th. So you you are holding on to the fact that you think you have the right to own other people. Just do your own damn work. Stop being lazy. Go do some damn work. Do your own work. Plant your own crops. Yep. And mind you, this was after. The Indians took in these European settlers, taught them how to raise corn, how to eat, how to survive in North America, only to be rewarded with death and murder and rape and smallpox. So it's it's a lot of history that that had to be unpacked. Uh, I wanted to do something different, this being the 100th year of the commemoration of the destruction of Black Wall Street. What other community has that? I want you to know that Black Wall Street, it's often overlooked, was air bomb. It was bombed. Really? Yeah. There's a song by the Gap Band called, You Drop the Bomb on Me, Baby. Right. Gap, by the way, stands for Greenwood, Arch, and Pine, the major intersection in uh, Greenwood District of Tulsa. The really? The Gap Band is named after a major tri-section, if you will, Greenwood, Arch, and Pine. A bomb bombs were literally dropped on uh, the Greenwood district of Tulsa. They've never been repaired. They've never been made whole. Those people were robbed. I mean, there was some rebuilding, but it's a reminder, too, that because, you know, there's always this notion, even when you watch watch local news, that all murders are done by black people and everything good in the world was done by white people. We see it every day here in Baltimore on the news only thing black people do is commit crimes, let the news tell it. But the truth is, black people were very productive, constructive. Uh, yeah. they, they multiplied their gifts and talents if they were just left the hell alone. Yeah, that's and, true. And, and let me say this for the record. Black Wall Street was burned down by a mob of angry, jealous whites. Period. It's true. It, it, it is, is very true. Fresh out of slavery and then built up a community that makes... Uh, the white community look what like what it is, and and and,
0: you know it is it is true on that because um, history shows that they were so jealous of how how um,
1: how you gonna be jealous of somebody that worked their way from the bottom up? You you know jealousy mentality does that.
0: Jealousy is one of those things that it it's It's that's why it's called. I'm not even gonna touch that one. That's, not a, that's even, a rap. That's a rap lyric. <laughs> I was about to say because I'm not touching that with a 35 and a half foot pole, um, but no, it, it, jealousy is such a, a a horrible thing because they used the excuse to that a group of black men had raped a, a white woman. Man,
1: one man, Mr. Rowland. Uh, they Thank said, you. He, "Yes, I'm sorry, he, Mr. Rowland. He, yes, he, he raped a black or uh, a white woman." I later learned and, and it has been said that that very couple later got married.
0: Yeah, yeah, I heard about that too. Cause that this was, was Dick Rowland. It, it was one of those it was one of those stories that it was like it, it was almost After it was, all y- these
1: people get killed, y'all too get yeah, married.
0: It, it is it's a horrible thing that happened, but something positive at least came out of that. And the other thing that I learned was is that you know, out of the thousand like hundreds of Businesses that were in the area that were very prosperous, you know, even when the bombings hit and everybody, there was a lot of
1: people that got hurt. I think it was like three thousand. I think was the number. There's there's no accurate number, but at least okay. three hundred got killed. Ten thousand were displaced. Thank you. Definitely. businesses were destroyed, all mm-hmm. within a thirty six square block area.
0: Yeah and, and and you know what's funny is that and, and and this is why I was really happy to to tell this story that even though there was such a, a a heartache in this that these people had they they knew that they could rebuild and they did you know after a year they had built up 80 different businesses and by 1942 they got up to like 242 different um different uh differently i can't even speak right now uh 242 very per, uh prospective uh businesses that prospered and continue to prosper um
1: Let me I add I, you I, just I, one important fact did you know that tulsa was the oil capital of the world at the turn of the 20th century over 400 oil companies had headquarters there in tulsa so Money was fluid for a while, mm-hmm. but yeah, that absolutely. industry, you know, at some point peaked, and uh, mm-hmm. industry moved around. But yeah. it, in in the early days, Tulsa was very popular for oil. Yeah, especially during the war, for everyone. But still, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard for me to understand. You're white. You you got this land. You got oil. You're making money. Why you? Looking at what those black people are doing, what, 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 what is? It? Why are you so distracted?
0: Jealousy has no. There's no logic to jealousy. There really isn't, and that's one of the things. That's a really good reason why I was so moved by the story itself. You know, you know, Hannibal L. Johnson, who wrote many books on the subject. Um, made a statement that I thought would be really interesting to get your your feedback on. He stated that the Greenwood District is poised for another renaissance of success like it did back in 1942, even though it has declined since then through the decades. Would you agree with this statement? And
1: why would you why do you think so? I don't know enough about Tulsa to give you an intelligent response. Okay. What I will say, we have to understand that Black Wall Street is bigger, and that's what I've attempted to demonstrate in this mm-hmm. book. It's bigger than just than what than just what happened there in Tulsa. Did right. you know there were two other Black Wall Streets, official Black Wall Streets?
0: Yes, there was one in uh, in, in New York City.
1: No. Technically, officially, there was one in Richmond, Virginia. Rich, Virginia. And okay. One in Durham, North Carolina. Oh, okay. But let me okay. share this with you. Unbeknownst mm-hmm. to a lot of us, slavery ended in the North in 1804. By 1804, mm-hmm. there were no, you know, slavery, sl- buying and selling slaves was ended in the right. North.
0: Right. So
1: where Tulsa, Tulsa's Greenwood section got off the ground, you know, 1900s, 1890, 1889. Uh, By 1825, Seneca Village was established in Manhattan Mm -hmm. in between 82nd and 89th Street. By 1838, over in Brooklyn, they had a black community called Weeksville. And this is 100 years, almost 100 years before Tulsa. So, uh, Brun... Burlington Island, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Wherever there were black people, there was some type of movement for freedom, some type of black business district. So to go back to your question, I want to say this as it relates to Tulsa's or rebuilding Tulsa's black Wall Street. This is 2021.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's a whole new landscape. Our thinking has evolved. So for me, black Wall Street, It's a state of mind it's a mentality that i'm going to support your business wherever you are especially in the day of digital technology so yes i'm not as focused on physical locations sure here in baltimore for instance we have a pocket uh an area that is super saturated with black businesses and that is a physical black wall street but black wall street is also virtual in my mind when we interview people on this network from ethiopia tanzania uh, ghana or or jamaica the the diaspora is worldwide so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: my thinking is more of the state of mind that wherever we are especially with cash app zelle and all of these other forms of payment Mm -hmm. it's like amazon we can support black businesses wherever they are in the world. And and for me, it's more about that mentality that if this person is hiring other people, they're being productive, I have an innate obligation, responsibility to do my best to support them. And it's maybe it's not always money, but let me tell you what it certainly is not. It's certainly not going on Facebook and saying, you know, something that I could have easily just picked up the phone and said, sir, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. But when we go so far and, 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 and I go, you know, all on, on social media to blast your business. At some point I should ask myself, well, damn, did I do anything to help his business? That's what my mother taught me. If you can't say something good, don't say nothing. Absolutely.
0: And, and, you know, what? I'm glad that you started to, uh, to uh talk about the the whole idea of um i came uh the whole idea that black wall street is a is a mindset It's, it's an absolute mindset now because as someone who knows the power of words and how they change the way we think and what we feel about whatever we're hearing or seeing or both you know I want to ask you this uh, just so people can get an idea of, you know, the author behind the book now, you know, what, what were you feeling as you were writing
1: this book? You know, what, what was like the whole process? There's so much we don't know. The, they would have us think America, the people behind the manifest destiny, they would have the losers because the winners write history. They would mm-hmm. have the losers think that, you know, your, your your black history started and ended with slavery. No, it didn't. No, no. No, black people have always been in business. I mean, it, it, it takes you back to Africa, for one. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much, if you listen to the only, if you only listen to white writers, you'll get the impression that the Pharaohs were white. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. The, there's
0: there's a viewpoint on uh, that's a Hollywood.
1: To... I just saw right. a
0: commercial. Yeah, with,
1: yeah. With, with a white pharaoh. It's like, come on, Doug, stop playing.
0: Well, like, yeah. Again, that. again, again. Yeah, it is a, it's that mentality of like the you know early the golden years of hollywood and stuff there was a lot of times where they just didn't want to get someone who was black too i, I talked about party. it in
1: this book the very first film dw griffith's the birth of a nation so it's yes. not just a film an action movie yeah it's the it's the 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 angle the slant the framing mm-hmm. if, if the only images of black people you see were real big lips or the eyes balls wide open or only telling jokes or black men dressed in drag. That's why Dave Chappelle is so revered in the black community because he turned down $50 million when these people insisted that he put on a dress. And if you understand the black mentality and Mm -hmm. and what black people have gone through Mm -hmm. uh, all the way down to sagging pants on a plantation, which was, yeah. A sign that a man had been raped by a white homosexual slave master. When you understand that history, you're not tolerant of a lot of dumb stuff. Yeah. Or, or you know, Medea's and, you know, you, 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 serious minded folks. Entertainment, okay. But don't, don't bring that to me on a serious level and expect me to respect it because I'm thinking more along the lines of the freedom fighters from Zumbi in Brazil to Harriet Tubman on the Eastern Shore of Maryland and Frederick Douglass also on the Eastern Shore. People who stood up for black people to have the right to dignity, just basic uh-huh. human dignity. I was talking with a lady yesterday about W.E.B. Du Bois and, and how he wrote about the, the problem of the 20th century being the color line. He wrote that in the, in, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s. But the same is so in the twenty first century.
0: Yeah, and and it is. It's true that you know, like I said, when when you look at Hollywood's depiction of what a black man is, you know, there are many. There there are so many negative viewpoints that we could touch on. But for me, the the positive one is when uh, Sidney Poitier was playing uh, in the in the movie. um, uh, What was it? Uh, The guest who came to dinner guess who's coming to And when he was talking to his dad, because if anyone doesn't know that movie, it's about a black man who was getting engaged with a white woman. And this is back during the late fifties, early sixties. And it is a wonderful movie. It is even today, I would say that that would still touch on a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of subjects that are still kind of, people are kind of leery with. Um, but, the scene that I'm really talking about is that is when his they're they're trying to um they're, they're trying to talk the the, the fathers into it, allowing this to happen and Sidney Poitier's uh, father I wish I could remember the the uh, the uh, actor's name because he was so good at it he at uh, he he made the statement Dad you look me you look at me as a black man I see myself as just a man. And that is something that a lot of people still sign kind of don't see anymore that we, we are way beyond our colors. We are way beyond what society has depicted as what a black man is and what a white man is, what a, a, an Asian or whatever the color of your skin is. And, you know, when you look at that, And you see how ridiculous a lot of the things are that we see. It allows us to really digest and understand what's going on and then change it. And that's one of the things that I'm really, really glad that because there is history that people don't know. And that's why I enjoy telling stories. That's why I became a voice actor is because of the fact that I love telling people's stories because they're needing to be told, you know, and, and knowing how important Black St- Black Wall Street uh, should be in our current conversations and the inspiring stories of faith in the human spirit by the pioneers that overcame these segregation laws, the death, the destruction of so many lives and the re- the resurrection of an entire group of people. I want to ask you, what are you wanting your readers to really take away from this? And what are you hoping that happens in their lives because they read your book?
1: we like to inspire entrepreneurship as a viable option. Mm-hmm. We also want people to think for themselves. Go and do your own research. Don't believe anything anybody tells you. Don't even believe me. Read the book. But don't believe it. Go and double check. Go read for yourself. I also want people to look up their own family trees. Yes. a lot of people have history in their lineage they know nothing about because nobody told them, nobody recorded it. Mm-hmm. I, I would encourage. I would hope people come away with a sense of self empowerment. Yeah, of of a better sense of what the individual can accomplish. So often. It, it, it's easy to get into the mindset of accepting the status quo mm-hmm. from ourselves, from our children, from others around us. You know, I want us to lift up our, our sights, aim higher.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And when somebody tells you you can't do something, prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I get a thrill out of it. When I first wrote this book, I was told by one of my advisors that black indians did not fit it into this story. Why? Because, because people they don't think that better. indians were black. Yeah, and that there wouldn't be a nexus, but in retrospect when I talked to the people out there in Tulsa including attorney Demario Solomon Simmons Demario Solomon Simmons told me that you cannot write the story of Black Wall Street and not mention Black Indians. Not a thorough story. (laughs) And so again, I want people to look beyond the surface on a situation as I do, as I have to do as a journalist or as I strive to do as a journalist. You got to go beyond what's on the surface if you Uh really want to understand. You know, it's like a, a pretty girl. Yeah, she's a, she's pretty aesthetically pretty on the outside, but you still gotta unpack that mind. You gotta unpack that spirit. You gotta unpack that personality to find out what's underneath. What's the substance?
0: Yes, absolutely. And, and you know what? That's why that's why I really was really happy that you allowed me to 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 create this show because, like I said before, stories you are so important. <laughs> well, I appreciate it anyways. Uh but it, it, it like I said it is very important that we look beyond just this what's put in front of us. Like yeah. you said, everybody should not only just read a book, they should look at it as a re, as a reference point, but go do your research. Go it, it, go in and, and like in go to the point where you can actually have so much knowledge about a specific subject that it creates a passion within your soul that you want to learn more that you want to share more because that's where wisdom comes from and that's why i look i tell people very often it's like when you go down there's two paths we always say that you have the the hard hard road and you have the easy road the easy road is a highway that everybody goes down because it's easy but here's the problem there's no wisdom left on the easy road because of the fact that those who pioneered it already built the road, they left stuff and then everybody behind them has already picked up all that wisdom. But a lot of people, when they get that wisdom, they don't share it. They just keep it to themselves and it just dies with them. Now those that go on the hard road, you're going to hit obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. But here's the great thing about obstacles they give you wisdom. There's always going to be a treasure chest of wisdom for you to not only have for yourself, but also enough for you to get through the next obstacle and hand that off to someone else that's coming through your through your path. And those are things that we really need to do, and especially with our stories. And now that we've talked about your book, and I love your book, I want them to know just a little bit more about you. So each week, I will be asking our guests, our guest authors, five questions that will give our audience a glimpse of the author behind the book and inspire the next generation of writers who are either watching this live on Facebook and YouTube or listening to it or watching it a uh, little bit later on when I start creating the uh, Beyond the Pen podcast. So I'm going to ask you five questions just about you so that you can give a little bit of wisdom for the next generation. You ready? I'll do my best. All right. Question one, what person, event, or book inspired your literary journey that could also help inspire others to do the same?
1: I love doing this. My fifth and sixth grade teacher, Mr. Williams, A uh, teacher. that's He awesome. had me doing the morning broadcast. I made it on the local television in his class. Made it in the newspaper. I think around that time, uh, and that was what eleven years old, elementary school, fifth and sixth grade. By fifteen, I was on WEAa local radio. Uh, Morgan State University, that would be Charlie Duggar. He took me on the radio when I was 15, and I've been doing radio ever since.
0: See, it, it always begins with a teacher. And that's why I believe so many teachers need to get paid so much more. I mean,
1: you know, even we being athletes, before. an exorbitant amount of money. Exactly. And, and then you look at the give back in Baltimore. We don't have any new recreation centers. And so, personally, I could care less about uh, another multi million dollar athlete, particularly if he doesn't know about Kurt Flood. You know about Kurt Flood?
0: I don't, but I'm waiting for you to tell me about him because I really want to. Kurt wanna... Flood
1: sued American baseball. Oh, and more. That's interesting. It led that's to the awesome. agency. And the NFL followed the following year. Wow. That's he didn't crazy. like being traded without having say so. Oh, I can understand that. He protested it and and he was the top player in Major League Baseball. And he quit. <laughs> he protested. He was he became an alcoholic, a derelict over in Europe. Man. But he cleaned himself up, came back, and before it was all said and done, he's the the lawsuit went through. He sued American baseball and won. Kurt That's crazy. Flood. So I don't care about another mega athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, I see people mm-hmm. bragging, "Oh, my my son, my daughter, this this." What is your child's give back? What does your child understand about their history? Yeah. In Baltimore, we have all of these athletes that have come through Baltimore, but not one has built a recreation center. We we have rec we have recreation centers that haven't been rebuilt in my lifetime.
0: Man, well, hopefully we can find that next generation of people that want to give back.
1: So no, we have to it, teach them
0: to give back. Exactly, we have to inspire and teach them, and that's the great thing about this.
1: See, so, we're just teaching them to make the money. And yeah, that's what we we all lost.
0: Yeah, that's true because it's something that we've been taught ourselves. is It's all about the money, but it's not. It's all about the the work that you leave behind and how many people's. Uh, lives you've changed by either inspiring them or just by helping them just by saying hello to them when they were down or just to give an ear to them just to listen to their story just to make them feel better and get it out
1: you got got politicians and celebrities and they're you know you 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 can't give them we let me tell you no celebrities run this house
0: Well, hopefully we can change that too. Okay, let's get to question two real quick because I really want to get these out. I want to know a lot more about this. So what are some common traps for aspiring writers that you have either had in your personal journey or that you've seen happen to others?
1: Procrastination.
0: (laughs) That's true. Very true. Now, talking about procrastination, do you ever get reader's blocked?
1: Oh yeah. And I've been, what um, I've been in readers' block for a long time. <laughs> I was but, about it is, to... but it is imperative if you're gonna grow, you mm-hmm. have to read other people's stuff. Yes. Now yes. as an artist, you know, Erica Badu may have said it best, I'm sensitive about my SHIT. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. it's only but so much I'm gonna peep of someone else's work because then my mind gets to clicking on what I want to do
0: right exactly so okay here here here's since you said procrastination you going to lead it to number three this is the reason why i set it up what is your kryptonite what is your
1: mind trap i don't do well when i put too much on my plate at one time too many ideas too many different projects too many projects okay all and, right. And, and get older, I've learned to keep it simple and and communicate. Hey, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do a whole damn hour radio show today.
0: <laughs> well, we're doing the best we can to get you off of that. So we but, do well,
1: so- well, I gave you 47 minutes, but this morning I wasn't feeling like 47 minutes. This morning you- I wasn't feeling like four four minutes.
0: I understand completely, but you know what? That's what happens when passion comes through. Yeah, it it gives you that energy. It no, gives that's you, gonna that,
1: we give you that threat.
0: Like, you <laughs> well, that too, girl. yeah. You're I was, did not
1: stand me up.
0: Oh, I did not. I was yeah, just double checking. Oh, okay. All right. You can make people ah. Okay. All right. All right. Question four <laughs> If you could tell, you're so horrible. If you could tell your younger writing self anything, What would it be?
1: I would have to say what Nikki Giovanni told me when I was 18, keep writing.
0: There you go. That's the greatest thing you could ever say. All right, last one. And this is always something I I really love to, to ask people because there's so many different answers to this. What quote inspires you to continue writing, even or even just inspire you to do the best you can?
1: My dad, he said, with a closed hand, nothing gets in, nothing gets out. With an open hand, there are endless possibilities. The moral to the story is to help somebody. So I know when I meet a Maccabee and I see a cat with so much on the ball, (laughs) you're damn right, you better go out there and recruit them for your network. (laughs) <laughs> well i appreciate that i mean look at this fancy screen it's all fancy <laughs> you gonna show me how to do this Man.
0: i will be happy to do it i will be happy to
1: all right ladies and gentlemen
0: i want to thank my guest mr donnie glover for being my very first guest yeah. and for sharing with us the story behind the book i am black wall street donnie this you know Again, please tell us where we can find this. Tell us every tell everyone where they can find you online and anything that you would like to close the
1: show with. I want you to tell them who you are. I'm on Amazon and <laughs> Barnes and Noble. I'm going to get off here and I want you to tell them who you are. Who are <laughs> you? Who are you? You just popped up on here. You got all of this razzle dazzle math. <laughs>
0: It's the theater guy. I mean, what can I say? And, and give, him right. give him
1: a voice. You got to give him a voice. Come don't, on, Mac Griffin.
0: Each time I will, but this this show is about you guys. This is a show about the authors and what they share with the world. So I will let you go. Thank you again, Mr. Donnie Glover, for I'm, being I'm across on the Beyond the
1: media, Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> bmorenews.com, blackusa.news, of course. This is a part of the Black USA Network. We welcome you, and we thank your family for sharing you with us. Uh, I'm going to step off, but do tell them who you are. And big ups. Look, you got Taz on here. You got Rico. (laughs) Rico and Michael Randolph, they're going to be two of your biggest supporters. Taz, of course, (laughs) is your teammate. But we're glad to have you, and may the creator continue to bless everything you do, including Beyond the Pen. I love the show.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you again so much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is it. I want to thank everyone who is watching now, and for those who will be watching or listening later, you know, join us next week when we talk with another inspiring author to share their book and their inspiring story behind it. And, you know, I might as well end up with reading. Just giving you a little glimpse of, you know, some of the voices that I do. It is very fun to do this. I was so happy to do this. Thank you so much. Now, George, you got to be very careful how you tell people this. Well, you know, sometimes it's just fun to just say thank you. Thank you so much, so, so much. And until next time, remember to keep writing, keep inspiring, and keep sharing as you can go beyond the pit. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you very much.